Welcome to Marxist Voice, bringing you ideas and analysis from Socialist Appeal, the Marxist voice of labour and youth. For regular updates, subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider or visit www.socialist.net. Normally, in a time of crisis like this, you'd expect a government to show some sort of reassurance, to give some sort of decisive action. You know, people's lives have been fundamentally transformed. I mean, Harold Wilson, I think it was, said that a week is a long time in politics. And, you know, the last seven days, people's lives have been completely upended um, in a way that I don't think we've seen since the Second World War. And a lot of people have used this analogy of war, the fact that, you know, that that suddenly there's shortages of basic things, there's panic buying in the shops, there's a real feeling of, of our lives being transformed, being changed, there's uncertainty, there's fear, anxiety, and all of that really, yeah, it does create this feeling that there's a war going on, a war against this invisible enemy of this disease, COVID-19, and people are wondering, you know, what, where's this going to end? And um, I think it's it's very instructive to, to look at the comments, actually, of Neil Ferguson, a uh, professor at Imperial College London, who's on the uh, kind of advisory team researching uh, the, into this disease, providing advice to the government. And he said earlier this week that the uh, the idea of having a vaguely normal society is 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 long gone really and that um you know uh he says any idea of having a vaguely normal society uh, is is uncharted territory we may well end up in a really quite different world for at least a year or more and I think this is quite telling, you know, and people are looking for some sort of guidance in this. And where has the government been? That's the question. Boris Johnson appears to be playing the part of a clown, of a court jester. He goes uh, and veers from making these kind of callous remarks about how people should just prepare to have their loved ones lost to, you know, the next minute making jokes. I mean... There's a ventilator crisis. We desperately need ventilators uh, for people who are going to have breathing difficulties with this disease. The market can't provide it. And something you know needs to be done about this. So Boris Johnson goes to the bosses, goes to the CEOs. First mistake, the market's not going to provide these things. We need to nationalise, we need to plan. And he says to the CEOs, uh, you know, you need to step in and help build these things. We'll call it Operation Last Gasp. I mean, what kind of man thinks of making jokes like that in this situation? But it just shows the whole attitude of the government. It's been complacent. It's been cavalier. Boris Johnson in particular, you know, this is a man, obviously, he's been through Eton and Oxbridge. And his whole attitude has been one spoon-fed, this entitlement. And with that comes this incredible hubris, this incredible arrogance, this feeling that, you know, everything can just kind of be 
taken its stride. There's no need to plan. There's no need to worry about these things. It just shows the contempt, the disdain that people like Boris Johnson, these representatives of the ruling class, and reflecting the attitude of the ruling class, particularly the British capitalists, this short-term, callous, cold, arrogant attitude, you know, it shows the attitude of these people. They, they, they think that, you know, they can just roll up their sleeves and, you know, British imperialism is, is you know, we're made of harder stuff. We'll get through this. But it's, it's nonsense. It goes against all scientific advice. You know, you had months to prepare for this. We saw what happened in China. We saw what happened in Iran. We saw what happened in Italy. We could have foreseen what was coming. We should have foreseen what was coming. And obviously, it's an exponential disease. You know, it exponentially spreads. And therefore, things suddenly change. And we could have seen that coming. We could have seen and prepared for these things. And but instead, the government went in with this complacency, with this 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 complete kind of aloof, arrogant attitude, uh, where initially they were suggesting, well, don't worry, Boris Johnson said, just take it on the chin. You know, we'll get through this. Some people will die, but uh, in the long run, we'll develop herd immunity, and then everything will be okay. But this was all based on completely flawed assumptions and. In fact, uh, you know, everyone has been warning against this. I'll just find some of the uh, some of the articles showing this. Uh, you've got Boris Johnson here talking to the press, the Guardian saying he'll be forever defined by this coronavirus crisis, and that's very true. Um, he uh, he very clearly will be, and um, then you've got people saying quite openly that this was a disaster from beginning to end. Here we are, the the Washington Post obviously takes someone writing on the other side of the Atlantic to see the truth. The British government's response to the coronavirus has been a disaster. You've got uh, Anthony Costello here on Twitter. He's the, um, if I can load him up, he's the uh, ex-head of the uh, WHO and his tweets are just endless. Uh, kind of criticisms of the government just saying why weren't we prepared for this uh, you know why didn't we look at what happened in China and all these sorts of things um, and yeah it's just astounding that these people did not learn anything from this and then now to top it all off we've been told that all of this idea of herd immunity, the strategy of the governments, it was completely based on false uh, assumptions, basically. You know, all scientific models are based on assumptions. You know, there's no perfect scientific model. Um, now, I'm very lucky, actually. I live with, believe it or not, an epidemiologist, someone whose job it is to study the spread of disease. Uh, he knows the uh, the the... the one of the government advisors on this question. And uh, he pointed me towards uh, this scientific paper that's uh, come out recently. And uh, it was earlier this week, basically, a paper by some academics at Imperial College. You can see it here if you want to find it. came out on Monday. And this fundamentally changed the government's uh, strategy, basically. Previously, 
they were basically on this kind of do nothing strategy here and uh, the idea was that actually this wouldn't spread that fast it wouldn't mean too much and that basically what we would have is some deaths yes a few thousand maybe but you know collateral damage if you like basically what the government thought was they've got a cost-benefit analysis they can uh, either shut down the economy damage the profits of big business and obviously for a Tory government that is anathema so instead we might as well sacrifice a few lives here and there and uh, we might get away with it you know we'll get the herd immunity we'll come out of it some old people will die well they're a drain on the NHS anyway aren't they they're a drain on social care but instead then what you had was um, that yeah basically the models were wrong <laughs> and this is what this paper from um, from Imperial is showing you that you know those graphs there that you can see this is uh, the, uh, the, the the do nothing line basically predicts half a million deaths and even the uh, second line down which is to do some preventative measures they were predicting that with the government strategy as it was earlier this week there would have been almost 250,000 estimated deaths why well they underestimated the mortality rate basically they thought everyone who catches the disease would be put in some nice intensive care unit and would get decent treatment and the mortality rate would be relatively low but in fact what you've got is in fact that intensive care units are going to be saturated within weeks if not days and after that people are not going to get the care they need and instead they're going to receive little to no care doctors are going to have to decide who lives and who dies who gets a ventilator who doesn't the government again not preparing for this by trying to build more hospitals like in China they built one in days uh, they could have requisitioned hotels and halls and you know other facilities what about private beds you know we're renting them out at two million pounds a day from the private sector when we should just be requisitioning these things and, and expropriating private health care putting it into the NHS where it belongs could have been doing all these things but instead we haven't and so the mortality rate they saw from Italy it shoots up in this scenario and you're estimating 300,000 potentially dead and that's why you saw earlier this week this sudden change in strategy and you could say well look the, the scientists got it wrong the experts got it wrong but the fact is that you know every model as I say has its flaws the government saw what it wanted to see it heard what it wanted to hear it saw that you know a few people might die we'd get out of this we'd have the herd immunity and we don't have to shut down the economy but instead the, all the officials all the you know the WHO were saying test 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 and the government wasn't testing anyone they were saying, you know, isolate people, track down the disease, quarantine those affected, as they did in China, shut this down. And now, only belatedly, are we are we taking on that advice? But even there, the government has been dragging its heels. It's continually behind the curve. Again, not wanting to damage the profits of big business, not wanting to affect the bosses and the profits and the economy. 
And so only belatedly do they suddenly say, okay, people need to keep their distance, we need to shut down bars and clubs and restaurants and all these things. But instead of ordering that to be done and ordering the closure of schools and preparing people that this was going to take place, preparing businesses for the loss of business, they they just advised it to people. And so it's it creates scare, it creates panic, it creates uncertainty. Most importantly, for the insurance uh, side of things, the, you know, these small businesses, this hospitality sector, they could have prepared for these things. And if it had been an official order, they could have claimed compensation from the insurance companies. But that wasn't done, probably precisely from Boris's point of view, to save the insurance companies. He doesn't want big insurance firms having to pay out lots of money. Much better to let these small businesses just go under and uh, and 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 let you know ordinary workers in these industries pick up the bill and let the, the the small business owners pick up the bill and so again bailing out the financial sector in favor of uh, giving support to you know ordinary people making ordinary people workers uh, and and small business owners pay for this so now suddenly you've got this massive shutdown in the hospitality sector. Uh, a third, Unite the Union, estimates a third of hospitality and entertainment jobs could go out of quite a sizable industry. And that's only the beginning. Then you've got the airline industry that's going to have to be bailed out. They're talking about by the end of May, all of these airline companies could be uh, falling out of the sky almost, quite literally. And... On top of that, you know, there's there's the high street crisis. We've uh, we've written about uh, Dixons and all these other brands that are already struggling, reliant on cheap credit. Suddenly, they're going to get a credit crunch, and they're announcing thousands of job closures on top of all the economic crisis on the high streets in recent years. And so that's why the government has suddenly had to come in and intervene. And suddenly, this Tory government which has been talking about austerity, talking about the need to balance the budget, suddenly having to throw all that out of the water, suddenly the money's there, you know, when it comes to the threat uh, to big business. And and also probably the pressure from below. Labour's been pushing on this. Corbyn's been coming out saying, you know, we need to guarantee people that their rent can be paid, that they're guaranteed the proper sick pay, proper full pay for anyone who has to work from home or from anyone who's made unemployed by this. In other words, there's going to have to be a massive ramping up of the welfare state. Some people talking about universal basic income. Even Tories are talking about this, let alone Rebecca Long-Bailey. So you're seeing, actually, one Tory minister even said, I'm willing to see uh, this government become Jeremy Corbyn's Labour for as long as it takes to save the economy. Why? Because now they're predicting a 15% fall in GDP just in the next few months. And that's why Rishi Sunak, the new chancellor, who probably wish he had never taken that job from Sajid Javid, now he's suddenly having to abandon this budget that, you know, the ink was barely dry on and is already hopelessly out of date. You know, he was promising 12 billion to address this crisis. Now, in his latest announcement earlier this week, promising 330 billion, precisely 15% of GDP, having to make up for that fall. But that's the amount of fall we're going to see just in the next few months alone. So, you know, there's going to have to be more money pumped into the economy and more and more and more. And meanwhile, they're talking about a world slump of depression, you know, and uh, and even the markets are responding where the 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 the, the 
big, uh, all, you know, all these big investors who've been parking their money in government bonds, buying up government debt. Now they're trying to flood out of that market because they want liquidity. They want cash. They don't trust governments anymore. Now there's billions or trillions in the case of the EU and the US pumping this money into the economy, this massive Keynesian package to keep things going. But it's it's to no end. It's like pushing on a piece of rope, you know. There's, there's the whole economy is shutting down. What's needed is not just these Keynesian economic demands. What's needed is clearly uh, nationalization. Is actually to plan the economy, to you know take control of the supermarkets, the healthcare producers and providers, and actually start planning society. You know, in, in you know, like a war. That's what was done in wartime was to actually plan the economy and uh, and and take control of these things. You know, this is why. We say, really, socialist demands are the only ones that can make sense in this period. You know, uh, we've got to take control of the economy and actually begin planning it uh, and actually take a get a grip on the situation, which the Tory government is not. It's just jumping from one disaster to another. Now they're suddenly saying they're going to close down the schools, but without, again, putting any provisions in place. And soon we're going to be seeing entire lockdowns across the country Allah in what happened in Italy and is what is starting to take place in Spain and France and elsewhere life is going to fundamentally change for people in this coming period and I think that's what we need to start getting our heads around and this is what this uh, paper from uh, Imperial is trying to say that actually you see, uh, you see them talking about later on, if I get you to the conclusions, they say that uh, basically the only viable strategy is suppression, which is what the government is claiming they're doing now. And um, basically uh, that the only real hope we've got now is to get a vaccine but they're saying that that could take months years even you know they're talking about uh, reasonable suggestions being 12 to 18 months I think uh, is the estimate given by this imperial uh, paper uh, if we can find it near the top here we are the major challenge of suppression is that it will need to be maintained until a vaccine becomes available, potentially 18 months or more. In the meantime, transmission will quickly rebound if interventions are relaxed. In other words, what you're seeing here is that uh, basically the you know the whole of society is going to be in this uh, phase where for a year or more uh, basically the only uh, solution as I say is, is a vaccine and in the meantime you know there'll be these shutdowns these lockdowns uh, transmission will occasionally drop the cases will drop but the pressure on the NHS will stay there the pressure on doctors and so forth and you know in the long run the only way to solve it is a vaccine but until then Every time they take away these suppression uh, and this lockdown measures, the 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 the, the virus is just going to break out again. That's what they're predicting is going to happen in China 
which is coming out of its lockdown. And so this is going to be a long process, uh, a very drawn out process, and one in which people's lives are going to be turned upside down. And I think in that sense, people are going to draw very revolutionary conclusions because with these sharp changes and sudden changes in conditions come sudden and sharp changes in consciousness. You know, as Marx said, it's conditions that create consciousness and it's the change rapidly from one set of conditions to another, sudden plunging into poverty, into uncertainty, into desperation that causes people on a mass scale to draw radical conclusions. We're already seeing it taking place, even here in Britain, people sending in reports to us at Socialist Appeal about the dramatic changes taking place in workplaces, people who've never talked about politics suddenly getting organized, looking for radical ideas, getting in touch with organizations like ours, Socialist Appeal, looking for what we've got to offer, Marxist ideas, because fundamentally that's the only thing that can offer a way out of this crisis is a complete root and, trans root and branch transformation of society along socialist lines. Capitalism has fundamentally failed. The market has broken down. We're in a deep slump, a depression. And there's no way out of that within the profit system. We've got to start planning according to need and get rid of the profit motive altogether. That's the only way forward for society. And that's what socialism is about. It's about offering a different world based on need rather than profit. That's what we're fighting for at Socialist Appeal. And therefore, I'll just appeal to those of you who are interested in what we've been producing online, what we have to say in our paper, in our material, in our uh, video channels, in our podcasts. Please do all the things that are said just here, if you can see. Boop, boop, boop. Um, you know, follow us on Facebook and YouTube, on Twitter subscribe to the podcast you can get it on soundcloud on itunes uh, it's called marxist voice um and uh and do mainly these things here at the at the at the bottom which is to get onto socialist.net and uh and donate to us we need your help in this difficult period we've got staff we've got offices we've got campaigns We've got to maintain all of these things and we rely not on big business backers, not on any big philanthropic donors, but on ordinary people to fund the work that we do. You can help also by subscribing to our paper. We're not producing it anymore in physical formats. We're just sending it out as a PDF. But subscribe with a solidarity subscription online and you can help support the work that we do with the material that goes here on the YouTube channel, on the, on the podcast and uh, of course online as well and most of all do that first one join us join us in the fight for revolution because that really is the only way forward for humanity thank you i'll see you next time thank you for tuning in to marxist voice brought to you by socialist appeal the Marxist voice of labour and youth. Subscribe or download the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider or visit www.socialist.net for all the latest news, analysis and Marxist ideas.